Now, 630 Chad presents The Elks This Week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game. From the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Down by four. The Elks looking for a Hail Mary to end this losing streak. Cornelius drops back. He's got time. And he's going to end up going down on the play with a sack. And that's the ball game. The streak hits 18 straight losses on home field for the Elks as they begin 2023, where they left off 2022, losing at home. 17-13, the final score. The Saskatchewan Roughriders over the Edmonton Elks. So the Elks start 0-1 in 2023. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show, our first Monday night edition of the Elks this week. We'll be here Monday nights throughout the season, most Monday nights throughout the season. We might be on Tuesday night next week because uh, of uh, if the Florida Panthers win the next couple of games, that'll force Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. That would go on uh, one week from tonight. I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Of course, uh, the next game in the playoff in the Stanley Cup final will be tomorrow night uh, in Vegas. Golden Knights with a chance to win the Stanley Cup. You'll hear it here on 6.30. Ched, next Elks game will be coming your way on Saturday from Vancouver. The Elks and the BC Lions. Uh, it'll be a 5 o'clock start Saturday, 3.30 for the countdown to kick off. Man. So much good last night. A lot of good in the football game last night and in the stadium last night. Uh, But everybody went home upset and talking about one or two plays. One good, one bad in the football game. Atmosphere was terrific, I thought. 32,000 plus. And I think it was uh, team president Victor Cui who uh, tweeted out that it was the highest opening night attendance since uh, 2013 for the Elks. So that certainly is good news. The flyby was great. Uh, Different. Uh, The Jets were there it was a helicopter uh which was uh, which was pretty cool that was of course in honor of armed forces appreciation night and uh the ladies and gentlemen of the armed forces um, got a great ovation when uh they were pointed out uh, during uh, breaks in the football game so that was good the tribute to christian salisbury uh was touching and uh was was very special as well evander kane was there with cecily uh there was a lot going on last night that give you that feel good feeling and then you looked at the scoreboard. Close game, back and forth all night long. And then in the end, uh, the Elks weren't able to pull it out. Saskatchewan gets the win, although the Elks had a chance to win it. And we'll get to that on the one-yard line, first and goal. We'll talk about that a little bit later on uh, in the show. But uh, after the atmosphere, uh, the football game began. Uh, pre-game, though, they did that ceremony for Christian Salisbury, as I mentioned. Uh, Elks running back and kick returner who lost his life due to gun violence last December in the States. Uh, because of the timing last night, we were unable to carry the complete ceremony for you on the air. So I thought we'd we'd go back and have a listen to some of the things that were said uh, last night about Christian Salisbury. The Elks uh, game day crew did an excellent job putting together a couple of videos. The first one featured some highlights and some words from Christian himself. It is, it's been one of my goals, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that accepts a challenge. I'm not going to run for any opportunity that's thrown my way because, I mean, there's, there's only so many you can get in this lifetime. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, make the most of them. You're working to get something or working for a dream or whatever it is. I mean, you can't stop. You've been, I've been doing it my whole life since five years old, so it doesn't matter when the last time it was. I'm worried about the next time I can get one. With the situation and how the season's going, and, you know, they wanted a guy to come in and, you know, be that spark on special teams. And, you know, I just came in and listened to every detail they gave me and just took it to the best of my ability to come out each and every day and work on techniques, little things, and, 
you know, just being that guy for the Edmonton Elks. You know, just just going out there having fun. You know, football still football at the end of the day, so just go out there and have fun. Leading up to the point of me getting signed back, you know, I was I was very curious about the team and the situation. Plus, I built a bond with those guys during camp, and a lot of them brought me under the wing. So I, I only had to repay them just by supporting them, and I got my shot again, and I'm here. So I'm be the little brother they need. Uh, the Elks also had another video, and uh, that one featured some memories uh, from a couple of players and his position coach, Jordan Lennon. The players were his close friends, uh, Kevin Brown, who carried that 25 flag out at the start of the game, and Dylan Mitchell. Christian meant a lot. I think he was a, a young guy trying to find his way in this league. He brought a certain level of energy to the room. He was a guy that, you know, wanted to make sure everyone around him was happy. He was going through no matter how he was feeling down or whatever he never let you know me and him was roommates on the road i got this picture uh of him falling asleep with a cookie <laughs> in his arm he was he was there to lift everybody up you know he was definitely uh somebody special christian was a loving person and he was a brother that i dearly miss especially being from my hometown and being from memphis and we clicked instantly it was somebody that um i definitely didn't expect the relationship to grow to where it went being in edmonton everywhere that i would go you would see him christian i love you and i miss you uh, the Elks also brought in his family for the game last night as well so they could take uh, part in remembering him. A very touching ceremony, and then uh, the game began, and it, it didn't begin very well for the Elks, especially offensively. They had their issues offensively. Uh, we're going to check in with Blake Dermott coming up uh, after the break and talk a little bit about that, but the Elks do fall to 0-1 to start the season. Uh, other winners uh, uh, this uh, weekend uh, as uh, the CFL began week number one. Uh, the BC Lions beating the Calgary Stampede Peters 25-15. Winnipeg all over Hamilton 42-31. That score kind of flatters Hamilton actually. Winnipeg looks so good, especially in the early going of that game. And then another tight defensive battle in the East at 19-12. Montreal beat Ottawa. That game went on Saturday. And of course 17-13. Uh, the Elks lose to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Next game's going to be Saturday. It will be played in Vancouver at BC Place. It'll be the uh, BC Lions and the Elks on Saturday. 5 o'clock start. 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff. Uh, during the countdown to kickoff, we'll probably be able to bring you some of that LL Cool J concert, uh, or as we like to refer to them, Two Republic, as uh, they bring another concert in. Last year was One Republic, brought in a big crowd. I understand there's going to be a real big crowd for this game as well in Vancouver. They've opened up the second uh, deck, and they're starting to sell a lot of tickets for this one. So another great atmosphere expected for that one for the Elks and the BC Lions, uh, leading off with uh, LL Cool J and a concert. I think that begins at about uh, 3 or 3.30. Uh, before the football game begins at 5. So that's the situation as we move into week 2 in the Canadian Football League. Uh, the Elks will be at the tail end of the week. As game uh, coming up uh, before them, Calgary's in Ottawa, Winnipeg's in Saskatchewan, and then on Sunday it'll be Hamilton at Toronto. 17-13, the Elks lost to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We will talk about that game and more, and maybe more about looking ahead and rebounding from this game when we check in with our Inside the Game analyst, Blake Dermott. That and more coming up as we continue with the Elks this week on 6.30 Chet. Now, more football talk on the Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 6.30 Chad. 
First and 10 from their own eight-yard line for the Elks. Cornelius takes the snap, drops into his own end zone. Um, honestly, it was just an opportunity. I had a go ball on the outside uh, and uh, try to, you know, we try to just get the, to get the good matchups that we need. Goes long down the sidelines looking for Geno Lewis. He's got it at the 50. He's to the 40, the 30. Geno Lewis to the end zone. And they're up, Edmonton. Touchdown, Elks. Geno Lewis has come as advertised. Um, you know, that's just something that I've been doing, man. I've been doing that for years now, and I'm going to continue to do it. And that's just something that's a big part of my game to where, you know, it can change a game. You know what I mean? So that's just something that I'm just always trying to be consistent on and, uh, and, and just help my team get the win. That's what I'm trying to do. A 102-yard touchdown for Geno Lewis from Taylor Cornelius. And that's one of the plays, one of the plays everyone left talking about last night. A 102-yard touchdown catch and run by Geno Lewis in his first game as a member of the Edmonton Elks. To talk about that and more from the game yesterday, we bring in our Inside the Game analyst, Blake Dermott. Hey, Blake, how you doing tonight? Hey, good, Morley. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, always great to talk to you. Uh, that was a pretty cool play. I mean, uh, it's the 102-yard TD. You don't see that very often, do you? No, that was uh, that was an outstanding play by uh, uh, by Gina Lewis to go up over top and and you know it, he, when he, when you guys were talking to him after the game he said yeah that's the kind of stuff that he does uh, and, and he's done that for years as he's a, a jump ball kind of a guy uh, I mean sorry that that's I don't want to say that that's all he does but but he has that ability and uh, those kinds of uh, spectacular type receptions are are things that uh, if you've watched the CFL and watched Gina Lewis uh, you've seen that before. And uh, it was nice to see it, you know, put on full display uh, last night for, for the I fans. Think, I think what kind of got lost in the in the distance of the touchdown was the catch. I mean, that was a spectacular catch. He took that one away. He's always talked about he's not a 50-50 guy. He's a 90-10 guy. Uh, yeah. He was a 90-10 guy on that one. Yeah, he, he just made that actually look kind of easy. You know, he uh, I thought the, the defensive back, you know, had decent coverage, but uh, but he has back. He has back to the to the ball. You know, and, and uh, that's one of the things that they they uh, back to the receiver. You know, they as a defensive player, you know, you want to be facing them. And uh, Gino Lewis took advantage of that. You know, because uh, because what happens is if he if he doesn't if he gets the ball, the defensive back has no option to tackle. Him. You know, because his back is to him. So, so he tried to undercut uh, a ball that wasn't, uh, you know, thrown particularly. You know, it was thrown a long ways, but I mean, it wasn't one of those ones where he catches in stride. And uh, I just think he took advantage of a, a poor position by the defense player and, and uh, made an outstanding play. It's uh, it's not often that a 102-yard touchdown play won't be the biggest play of the game offensively for a team, uh, which it was last night, naturally. I think the, 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 the sad thing about it from the Elks' offensive perspective is uh, Gino Lewis now leads the Canadian Football League in receiving with 148 yards. He had 148 last night. Next in the receiving group was uh, Manny Arsenault with three catches for 29 yards. That gap's way too big. Taylor Cornelius threw for 202 yards, so you take off the 102-yard uh, touchdown, and he threw for 100 yards last night in the rest of the game. Those numbers don't jive together very well for success, do they? No, uh, you know, it was, uh, and if you, I, I think if you even dig down a little bit further, it was something like 170 yards in the first half. So second half, he threw for like, you know, God, less than 50 yards, I believe. It was just not a, a, a very strong performance by the offense in the second half. Um, 
not to say that they were uh, lighting it up, but I mean, if you've got 189 yards, I believe is what they had uh, uh, of uh, offense in the first half. That's not bad. You know, you're getting close to 400 yards. That's not bad. But then, but to end the game, and uh, you know, not even at 250, that that means it. Saskatchewan did some things to take things away from uh, from the Elks, and the Elks didn't make enough adjustments to be able to, you know, to be able to uh, 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 have more success. And and in spite of all of that, they they still had a, a couple of opportunities uh, in the course of the game to get enough points to win that game. And obviously, the the three uh, th- three cracks from the one yard line really really hurt. Yeah, uh, we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, I watched the game again uh, today, and I kind of looked at, I kind of made some notes on the good and the bad in that game for the Elks, and we talked about Geno Lewis as as the good. Uh, Trevor Harris threw for just 179 yards. Uh, He said it's the worst he's played in a game he's won, but the Elks defense had a lot to say about that. They pressured him. They had two interceptions off him. Uh, That's part of the good. Uh, Niles Morgan and uh, Enoch McConzo, seven tackles each. Uh, Morgan had an interception as well. Kai Gray with an interception in his first game. Jake Serezna, two quarterback sacks that's good news the bad news is they were the only two the Elks got and they gave up five so that uh, those numbers don't match up very well and a couple of more good things uh, minor things but important things in, in the kicking game with two rookies uh, uh, J- J- Julian was terrific I mean he was he punted nine times and had a 50-yard average 49.6 to be exact so Jake Julian very good in his first CFL game and Dean Faithful two for two in field goal so those are some of the good that we saw last night, and I think Blake, in, in your mind, is is that enough to to, to, sh- to still give you some optimism? And, and, and it's early, and, and nobody's you know you know no one's throwing the towel in or anything yet. You can't after game one, but to me, there was enough good, I think, and enough correctable wrong uh, that they still have an opportunity to to be a pretty good team this year. I think. No, and I I, I would agree with you, uh, Morley. The, the the issue that I had was that. Um, you know, this was a team that offensively looked pretty good in preseason. You know, regardless of how many points they put up in a, you know, they averaged 400 yards a game uh, uh, in in the two preseason games, and uh, and then you know in the first half they didn't look as I mentioned. You know, you get 190 yards of offense in the first half. That's not bad, uh, but but to just have no uh, uh, no. Um, Life in the second half. That was what was a little, was very disappointed. And for anybody who's listening to the radio, I was really disappointed with this uh, last night because I I was you know I, I thought this was going to be the night that they they put things together. And and when you come out and and as I mentioned, you know the the goal line stand, the the taking a sack on uh, the series right before that, that takes you out of field goal range and going three for seventeen on second downs conversion. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's like almost inexcusable. I, you know how do you how do you only how do you only complete three out of out of seventeen? You you don't even have to be trying very hard to to get close to you know forty percent or fifty percent. Uh, there's got to be some way uh, that you get uh, um, more conversion rates. But you know uh, I think that one of the things that Chris Jones said after the game, you know they they, they thought that they had a pretty good scheme in there. They thought they had some pretty good concepts. But obviously they got to take a look at those concepts and. There was enough mistakes to go around that I think, uh, um, you know, being your first game, uh, they got to try to. I, I don't want to use the term simplify things, but they they certainly got to bring everybody up to speed where they need to be because they they weren't uh, they weren't moving very fast yesterday when it comes to speed. 
Yeah, there was some excitement uh, in the fourth quarter uh, that the Elks generated. First, the interception by Niles Morgan gave them the ball, I think, around the 20-yard line. Then the pass interference call gave them the ball on the one-yard line. It's first and goal on the one to take the lead. And then we know what happened. Well, actually, we know what didn't happen. So Kai Loxley will be in at quarterback. He'll go under center. He's got a yard to give the Elks the lead. Loxley waits for the snap, takes it, charges ahead. Does he get there? So far, no signal. Nope. And he's not going to make it. It's going to be second and less than one. Attempt number two for Kai Loxley. Stands behind Mark Cordy, waits for the snap. There it is. Loxley pushes ahead, and I don't know if he got it that time either. Third crack at it. He's under center. He's going to roll to the right side, and he's not going to make it again. Goldmouth stand for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. First and goal from the one. The Elks leave the field empty. Uh, that was in the fourth quarter, I think, uh, with about six minutes to go or so, Blake, and obviously a big turning point in the football game because the Elks had a chance to use, you know, support the defense after the turnover, score the winning points, and send everybody home happy. Uh, obviously, a key part of the game and a big disappointment. Yeah, no, I, I watched that replay a couple of times of, of those three uh, plays. The, uh, the the first one, I think, you know, here, here, well, before I get into the description of the play, let's, let's understand. I played 14 years, um, and I don't know if we practiced uh, short yardage, quarterback sneak type stuff 10 times in 14 years. It's, it's sort of assumed that you know what you got to do. The offensive line, you got you to pinch, you got to push, you got quarterbacks got to get, you know, get low, get leverage and, and push your offensive line and, and get movement. Um, all of those things are, when you get to this level, you would have done, you know, a hundred times. Um, but it looked like they'd never done it before. Uh, I thought the, uh, I thought the offensive line, you know, the stalemates were created because, Saskatchewan was you know, filling gaps, which is what they're going to do. But when you look at what Kyle Loxley did, um, he, was, he was up too high. Um, he was slow to get the ball moving forward. I mean, a lot of times uh, the quarterback's got to be moving forward when the ball gets snapped into his hands. It seems like he waited for the ball, and then by that time, that gives the other team time to come over the top. And, and he was getting hit before he was even moving forward. So I think he was slow. Um, and, and plus he was tall. So if he was tall, then he was getting hit. And, you know, you got, you got two 300-plus-pound offensive linemen on a 300-pound defensive lineman. Sooner or later, that's got to give, even if the guy drops anchor like, like their, their defensive line did, they created a, a, you know, a, a really solid sort of a, a wedge. Uh, and, but if Kyle Loxley, who's, you know, six foot three, over 200 pounds, you know, that kind of thing, if he, can, if he gets low and puts his weight into the into the hips of the offensive lineman. It doesn't matter what you got for a defensive lineman. You're going to get pushed forward. And ultimately, I think he gave up on it too quickly because I think the first one, there was a little bit of a stalemate on the in the A gap, which is a gap between the center and the guard. But then they got moving again. But he had already bounced it to the outside. He bounced it to the B gap where he didn't have any any uh, any push or support. So it's it's one of those things that I I'll bet you they run through quarterback sneak a half a dozen times, maybe 15 times this week, because uh, because they can't have that happen again. But it was a it was a combination of you know not enough patience, too high, not having the leverage by the quarterback, and slow getting the ball and moving forward. I I think that. Uh, um, as I mentioned, it's just it's just something you don't practice it. But they're gonna, I'm sure they're going to practice it this week. 
All right. And, and I know the third one, he went to the went to the left, and, and I think he said he tried to go to the B-gap. Uh, he had success with that on a, on a third and short earlier in the game, but obviously couldn't find it there. Uh, we, uh, Blake, you got about 15 or 20 seconds to answer this question. I know that's going to be really tough for you. Uh, <laughs> Reed asked me this question, too, and I talked to him earlier. Uh, does Cornelius have a shorter leash in the game on Saturday? Um, well, I, uh, it, the leash is as short as his play. Uh, let's put it that way. If he, if he plays better, they're, they're not going to worry about it. But I, I think if we see the same kind of game uh, in the second half early in the game, uh, maybe. But, uh, but, I mean, here's the thing. I talked about this last night. You go through a whole training camp. You're the number one guy. You don't want to pull. You don't want to be pulling guys in the first in the first game yeah. because what does that say to the rest of your team? I think you're gonna, you're gonna you want the team to play with confidence. And you know what? Guys are gonna not gonna have. Uh, I say this all the time. They're not all Rembrandts. And sooner or later, uh, they're gonna they're gonna win a game. And I think he's gonna win a game even playing ugly like this. Absolutely right. I agree 100. Uh, percent Blake, thanks for your time. Always great to talk to you, man. We'll see you later. Okay, Morley. Thanks a lot. Blake Dermott, uh, our Inside the Game analyst. All right, here's the situation. Uh, coming up, the Elks and the BC Lions Saturday, uh, 5 o'clock game time, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff from BC Place Stadium. Uh, tomorrow night on 6.30, Chad, we've got hockey at this time. Could be the final NHL game of the season. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights with a chance to win the Stanley Cup if they can beat the Florida Panthers. Uh, we're back in a week, likely on Monday, possibly on Tuesday, if the Panthers can force Game 7 for the Elks this week. Uh, and I'm back in tomorrow morning on this morning with Jay Lynn and Daryl. So I will talk to you then. Our thanks to uh, Blake Dermott and to Kellen Kennedy, who is the technical producer for the show this evening. My name's Morley Scott. Have a great rest of your evening.